Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bond by Numbers. Today, today, just a short episode, really. Uh, myself, Scott, and Josh want to weigh in on the No Time to Die delay till April of 2021. We know this has got the Bond world uh, upset, maybe even a little bit confused, and in some cases, not surprised at all. But uh, there are, of course, wider and greater ramifications to this delay. Um, just in the news today, Cineworld here in the UK, particularly, it's it's the world's second largest cinema chain. Um, it's got 5,500 jobs on the line and uh, they were really hoping Josh that No Time to Die would come out in November because yes. uh, it, it's kind of like on a shoestring right now and the cinema the ownership side has written to Boris Johnson now essentially calling the cinema industry unviable with yes. um, with everything going on and uh, you know while I'm not going to cry for the profiteers I do wonder you know like um how much how much is this delay going to affect the Bond franchise, Josh? I mean, maybe maybe we can start there and just talk about the Bond franchise because this is already the um, the longest time between Craig films and uh, I mean, COVID has had its role this year, but before this year, I think fans were irritated and upset at the length of time between the films and. Um, we're lucky. We're lucky that we're fans of a series that's got 24 installments, you know, and, and a world of books and things with which we can we can entertain ourselves. But I mean, what what do you think, Josh? I mean, how how's this going to affect the the franchise going forward? You know, it's funny you mentioned the whole thing about you know the time between the release of each of the films, and if you look at, uh, for example, that long period between License to Kill and Goldeneye, mm -hmm. and even as even in, to a lesser and then the second on the ladder would of course be the time between Die Another Day and Casino Royale, right? And even like mm -hmm. there was three years, or I think between Quantum of Solace and and. Uh, Go Skyfall, and Skyfall, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, or was it? Or was there it's a couple? Four. Yeah, so they're getting bigger and bigger, these gaps, you know what I mean? Um, this movie hasn't been released yet. It's been delayed almost coming to two years, I guess, in a way. So, it, yeah, like it's something that's unprecedented. But the thing is, is that James Bond and other film franchises that grew huge, you know, over the 2010s and even earlier, uh, those are being delayed now too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there has not been a single uh, Marvel film by the released by Disney in the past year. And that's usually they usually but for the past 10 years, they usually had like at least two a year, mm -hmm. but they haven't had any. Uh, then you look at other franchises that are having delays, too, like um, Warner Brothers, uh, their DC studios they're They've delayed the release of the new Wonder Woman film. And then you also have the delay of what was supposed to be happening. Um, I think earlier this year was the release of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Mm -hmm. And that but and that was moved to December. But. Right now, that that date is still fixed, but uh -huh. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised looking out to you know to look at my notifications in a day or two and see that that's been pushed to 2021 as well. Yeah, so it, so I suppose then if if I can kind of glean from what you're saying, you don't think that this is going to hurt Bond the franchise any more than it will these other franchises because while yes, the rest of the while the rest of the competition isn't isn't putting stuff out, then you know a big dog like Bond doesn't have anything to worry about. Yeah, I was just spouting facts there, and I was trying to put them into some kind of order that would make sense. So thank you for clarifying that for me. Absolutely. I think that all the franchises, the big movie, the big temple franchises out there are being affected by, by COVID. Mm -hmm. They're all in the same boat in that sense. But I mean, right now they're not making money, and that that's danger to the franchise because that could also cause the studios to hurt by it. And therefore, budgets could be low, and that could also, you know, demarcate, you know, the values of the pictures going forward. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of quality, I mean, well, yeah, and that might not be such a bad thing to strip him down again and and to kind of look at your next incarnation of Bond as something a little simpler, a little more homespun. You know, I mean, that that might be good as well. That might be good too. Absolutely. Like we might go back to having like, uh, I would love to see a Bond film where it just lingers in the location that, Mm -hmm. that they're currently in for like, it's just so just, just you can kind of like, you know, just breathe in the sights, so to speak, uh, when you're watching it on screen and just see the details of the city and how it fits Bond's character. Like that whole travelogue aspect that Fleming mm-hmm. puts in his novels, I, which I think was pretty prominent in the, in the Connery era, even in the Moore era to some extent. I would, I would like I would like that to come back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would like to see kind of like just like that emotional feel you get, even though it's kind of like a very to the surface emotion of you know just seeing like the like think of like the living daylights and john barry's score playing when they land on the airfield and you just feel like you're watching something just so exotic and out there but then i find like with the modern bond films it's like you're you're there for the action you're there for the the big the big set pieces and the stunts and the stunts have always been, you know, a factor in the Bond films, of sure. course, you know. But very... there's more gravitas now. You're right. The, yeah. There, yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. what I just feel is, is that, um, yeah, there's changes on the way, uh, good or bad. And but it's real. But, but it's also, you know, it's interesting to, to discuss them and see exactly, you know, where they might be going or try to guess where they might be going. Well, how do you feel as a fan? I mean, for my part. I, I didn't really get my hopes up because everything was being sort of delayed. Now, Chris Nolan's, yes. Christopher Nolan's tenant did go for the cinema. And I think it, I mean, it, it hasn't, like we said in our last show, it, it hasn't made uh, as much money as it would have under normal no, circumstances. No, no, no. But it also hasn't been competing with a heck of a lot either, right? Like Bill and Ted's Return or whatever it is, right? Face the Music or whatever it's called. Yeah. Like because... films like that are still are still getting their, their release because let's face it, they're, they're just blue chips anyway right yeah well look at the milan thing like they released milan to buy right away if you wanted it people complained that they weren't going to pay that much money well the thing is is that you're not paying for one viewing you're paying mm-hmm. for the whole movie that's right so that's and and that, and that backfired because i think maybe disney marketed that incorrectly maybe they mm-hmm. should have focused on you know like if you want to buy it here it is but mm-hmm. not re- announce that you know everyone can go see it i think that was part of the backlash yeah. although i also heard that the movie wasn't that great and on top of that i also heard that there was some controversy with the lead actress uh being in support of you know the, the very she's very in support of the regime of which she is i guess of the country of where she is from and uh yeah, yeah that's definitely that that's definitely uh especially in this day and age with the covid situation and uh, all the blame going around to somewhere, wherever it might be going, uh, you know, that's not a good thing either for hmm. publicity's sake. But, you I, know, I talk... Mm-hmm. Sorry, no, I was just going to say, though, like, with respect to, like, how I feel as a Bond fan, like, I, I wasn't getting my hopes up too much because everything, you know, things were being pushed back. I'm, I'm quite a realist in terms of, of what's happening here. I, I know this. I know how I'm feeling. I feel a lot about the science that, that's coming on around and behind the situation. And I, I accept that there are things like cinema going, which are going to have to be put on hold. And if yes. a film does get out, then I'm going to try my absolute best as long as it's safe for me to go out and see it. I, I would, I would have gone to see Bond in the cinema, but I was fully expecting a delay until April, to be honest. However, the last couple of weeks, I started to get doubtful about that. And I did sort of, 
perhaps against my better judgment feel as though okay maybe maybe i did you know we got we got new trailers we got new omega uh, omega watch ads we got um notice on the soundtrack release we got the the track listing from the soundtrack release if indeed you want to go find it we've got the official podcast that started and i'm and then i'm starting and the music video just Mm -hmm. dropped too and the music video thank you yeah just wednesday or thursday wasn't it that came out and so i'm thinking to myself well why are they why are they doing all of this now because this is what you do before you release the film right and so it's probably on purpose they knew they were going to make that announcement so they want to keep they want to keep the film alive in the public's mind okay so well what happens well what happens then josh february march time what what sort of press packet are they going to have to put are they going to they're going to redo more trailers are they going to like what are they going to do in four or five months i probably i would say there's probably going to be probably one more trailer i would estimate most likely and then they're going to begin the TV radio stuff. Uh, well, at what point do you become oversaturated with stuff? Like, I, I don't want that much of the film being out there. I don't want to watch a music video adverts, um, two, three trailers plus a teaser. I, I don't want that much to be out there before I go and see the film. I, I just well, wonder if, if this push... It's, it's your choice whether to consume it, It is, right? it is, that. yes, of course. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, come on, dude. Like, you know as well as I do that you get thrown and shown stuff that you might not want to see just through ads coming up on, on a or pop-up. Pe- pe- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember I have a friend, uh, you know, like he doesn't have HBO. He doesn't have like, uh, he, you know, he works on a modest budget and mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't always have time and he doesn't have access to cable so he can't really go and catch up on certain things right mm-hmm. but i mean he was spoiled of all the big plot points on game of thrones on facebook yeah so yeah. You, you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you as a consumer as someone of consuming media you have to be very careful but at the same time everyone's going to be spoiled on something these days you know what i mean yep you're because, absolutely right yeah you're right so you're right. Are, are, what's going to happen is are we, are we going to see like because it's so extended are they going to have are they going to have early screening somehow like maybe in uh january or february and are we going to get maybe, plot yeah. leaks uh occurring you know what i mean because i mm-hmm. remember like when, when when the big avengers the the, the big two-part one uh, what is it? Uh, Infinity War, Endgame. When those were coming out, there was a, there was a screening in somewhere in the Middle East, and mm-hmm. they released like all of the big scenes in the movie and spoiled it for everyone yeah. uh, who who clicked on the link and dared to see what happened. Right. So all I'm saying is is that like I don't want that to happen with the Bond film. Like I don't want to know the, the plot of the movie before I see it. And the thing is is that the longer the wait that we have, and I, this is where I see where you're coming from. We're going to there's more chance of getting spoiled or lose. And then, you know, once you're spoiled, I mean, yeah, you'll go see the movie, but you also lose that original thrill you get when you see a movie for the first time as well. Yeah. I'll continue to do for myself what I, you know, what what I have been doing, which is avoiding where and when I can the things I don't want to see. Of course we do. But, you know, I I do wonder, though, like... uh, in, in the context of Bond, like this is a film we've been waiting for, we've been hearing about. I, I think that Ian uh, has had plenty of time and they've had many opportunities before the COVID happened, you know, to get this project on track and to, to kind of get it happening. We had delays before we had delays for COVID, yeah. you know, that yes. this, this project was taking longer. They were doing reshoots. They were pushing things back and pushing things back. And then we pushed things right back into a corner that we can't get out of now. Um, and I just, I don't know, like I, I'm only only surprised at myself I think really because I was starting to feel like the last week maybe this film is actually going to come out on time and I started against my better judgment to get excited about it maybe and I shouldn't have and I just I just don't understand it like why the why the big press push now if 
they weren't if they're just going to pull the rug out uh, you know arguing for safety and all the rest of it which i totally understand like i was prepared for them to delay i just kind of wish if that was always their plan they would have done it and made it made it when black widow made the announcement or whatever I mean, I, and again, these aren't my tears. I'm crying. It's just I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate, really, to try to talk my way through the situation. Like there, there was obviously a lot of things that the studios and the producers and the team decided on and had to work through before making that call, you know, to, to further delay. But I mean, how do you feel as a Bond fan? I guess getting back to an earlier question. I mean, I told you how I feel. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised at myself for thinking that it was going to be uh, on on the November. You know, because this press packet had sort of convinced me that yeah, this is this is where we're going. I mean, how do you feel as a fan? Are you disappointed? Are you surprised? Or have you just sort of laid your expectations completely, um, completely at the hands of fate? To be honestly, Scott. I'm, I don't think I'm going to be content about anything going on in life until all this stuff, until this is over. I yeah. know technically it may not be over. I know technically that's a possibility, but you never know. And I, I honestly like, you know, like I'm, I have this idea of, of this, uh, you know, this, I just have the idea of a couple of months from now, just being able to just, you know, things going back to normal mm-hmm. and then going out and enjoying a movie and, and, that, and returning to that sense of normalcy. So I'm disappointed, yes, but at the same time, like I understand the situation and there's nothing I can do about it. Sure. I can't blame yeah. the I can't blame the studios. I can't blame the film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I think you know, in our situations mentally, a lot of people's attitudes towards stuff like movies could have changed over the past year or so for sure. Yeah, and maybe people won't have it because you know they're kind of they've lost their magical spell because they've been dissipated so much mm-hmm. that people may not have be as keen as they used to be. Like I know for a fact that like I mean, if you read any like even conservative or even moderate right wing Twitter or social media, there is a hatred of celebrities out there, right? Yes, yeah, and, of course. And, yeah. and that's the whole thing is, is that I think the whole post-2016 Trump culture has created kind of like a, a conservative backlash against a lot of things deemed liberal, and Hollywood is one of those things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's also a very strong, like moderate right-wing to extreme right-wing uh, gatekeeping of comic, of like nerd, of nerd media, I guess you could say. So it's really up in the air about what's going to happen. You know, if things were better, November would have been a perfect release for mm-hmm. no time to die. I will concede that to you a hundred percent. Well, I've got two other questions for you. Really. One of them is, is kind of connected to this idea of streaming. Now, I mean, on our show last couple of episodes, I've been predicting that no time to die would have some sort of a, like a Mulan, like Mulan did with Disney. I did Possibly. think, I thought there would be some sort of streaming, uh, but now it seems as though that's definitely not the case. And I think the, I think the broccoli camp very much want a Royal premiere. You know, I think they're really going for that because Bond's always had one that's always been kind of important to them you know wherever it was in london that they want that sort of event i i don't know like do you think that with no time to die in april that there will be a streaming option before then or do you think that no they're not going to go there they want their royal premiere they want their april they're just gunning for it i think the delay to release it as a as a big motion picture release and get the box office that they want for it i think that is deliberate i think mm-hmm. that's what they plan to do mm-hmm. however I can see them in the end possibly making a concession and maybe offering. Uh, it depends upon how bad the situation gets, really. But again, yeah. never underestimate a studios want to make money either. So Yeah. I mean, if we get to January, February, and if March is looking well, like, like, this, like this virus is not going away, they might... here's the thing. Yeah. We don't know if this is Broccoli or Eon that's making these delays. I just think that this is the, this is the studio's decision more so than it is Eon Productions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let that, me ask you this. That's my take. 
Okay, let me ask you this too, Josh, because um, just in the in the media today, over here at least, Cineworld is um, it's it's in yeah, trouble. I mean that, that that that's no that's no surprise that like in all... the states, uh, AMC, the long AMC, yeah. movie theater yeah. is like it is basically has liquidity for six months. I read in a recent article, right? And so after okay. that, well, it's it, it's done. Well, we've got fifty five hundred jobs. Um, across Cineworld that are basically on the line, most likely to be made redundant. Now, whether in months late, whether months from now, uh, Cineworld gets its cinemas back up, they're looking at shutting completely. They were really, really banking on the Bond film to sort of, you know, um, not really anchor their profits, but certainly al allow them to keep running. I think along with a, you know, along with a, a diet of other films. But I'm wondering, do you see moving forward in order to get cinemas? back up and off the ground because Cineworld is the world's second largest chain of cinemas. Do you see, and like AMC and whatnot, do you see maybe the production companies having to sort of hold hands a little bit, maybe cut some of their profits and, and give them through distribution to cinema houses, to chains? I mean, how much, if, if we want cinema going to return, um, are not some of these companies, even the big ones, perhaps going to be going to be needing a bit of help? And should the production companies who continue to make the decisions to kind of push their films back for right reasons or for wrong, whatever, I mean, right. wherever you sit on that fence, do you think there's a world in the near future for us where the production companies are asked to or perhaps even legally mandated to share some of their profits, some of their budgets to help the cinemas back on their feet? I mean, is this silly? I mean, it's not silly. It's an ideal for sure. But just remember, uh -huh. though, if that something like that did happen, chances are that would give studio more control over distrib over like the distribution yes. chains, and that's going and that's basically almost reversing the Paramount decrees of '48, and that's giving the studios basically control of first-run theaters. Right. It, yes, it is, and I I do understand that. In this day and age, though, to save cinema as a whole, maybe yeah, that's that, that has that's to be what done, I mean to save cinema. Maybe the studios need to control the movie theater chains. Now, that'll put a lot of smaller chains out of business for sure, unfortunately. But, I mean, that's something that might need to be done. If, mm -hmm. if you want to have big – if you want to have, like, your big event movies, you know, with uh, – and have and, and, and deal with, like, genre films in particular, whether it's a, a science fiction film or mm -hmm. a big-budget horror film or a historical epic or a superhero film – then you're, you're going to need to have budgets that can support those kind of films. Exactly. Right? That, that yeah. You want to be able to sell that feeling. Uh, and that, that's how I feel about it. I feel like yeah. perhaps... And I mean, Bond films, of course, right? That's that's like a, yeah. a kind of amalgam between like uh, a superhero film and an action film and something in, in, something in between as well. Bond is its own genre. <laughs> yeah. Just, even though it's technically spy, but I, Bond is its kind of its, its own mm -hmm. its own creature it has a set formula a set of you know uh, 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 there's always this the, the, each producer director that comes on each director that comes on to a bond film and the screenwriters are still following the same formula mm -hmm. the same parameters so to speak that they find is has been profitable and that's why they're kind of you know there is a formula to them but it, it, you just need someone in there with different ideas to make it slightly different and then people don't notice. So that's okay, why it's yeah. always been so good at the trend yeah. jumping, right? Right. So, I mean, just to bring you back to, to what you said a few moments ago. Bring um, it back. Bring it back. Yeah. You, you were saying that, you know, if the studios want these tentpole 
releases to happen the way that they cinematically envision them, then the cinemas have to be there. And I suppose yes. for me, a chief irony in all of this could be the could be the, the the demise of the cinema. While you have franchises like Bond who are deliberately playing out and holding out for the cinema show, what happens if April comes around, no one's going to the cinemas, and all of a sudden there's no cinema in which to have your film? That's a, a, a this is why scenario. yeah I mean, that's that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would be over dramatic. I mean, as a person who loves arts and 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 literature and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, like, and I, you know, that's it, it's it's frightening to me in that in that in, in that respect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's more frightening things going on in the world right now, but just in, just just in terms of the whole situation, um, that is a possibility for sure. Um, I was going to say though too is maybe they got to find a different way to show cinema, like show films. Mm -hmm. They got to change their str their strategy. So yeah. like, I mean, why not like go back to drive-ins and stuff like that? Make you, you got to find ways of alternatively doing mm -hmm. it. Does that change any consideration mm -hmm. for the movie studios to say, well, why don't we just release this film at like on a streaming thing? You pay the you pay the box office price as you normally would at a theater to right. watch the movie in the comfort of your yeah. home yeah. and have it on a release date that it's supposed to be on. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, and that's the thing is. I just don't see why the studios can't just release it like that and release it for the. I would pay thirteen fifty or whatever it was mm -hmm. for uh, an IMAX quality four K version of Sure uh, no, yeah. no Time to Die right yeah. now. I would totally would you know like yeah. and I so like I just they're afraid to think that people aren't going to pay it because they get it in the comfort of their own home. Mm -hmm. Now the one thing that could occur that they're afraid of as well is there's more of a chance of first run films being pirated in that yeah, fashion. Absolutely. Than, I was going to get on to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think that's the main worry right there and that's the kind mm -hmm. of point that I was getting to is why won't they do that? You know, like are concession uh -huh. stand prices really important? Do they really need the theater chains in that fashion? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then I'm realizing yeah, it's the piracy issue. There's so many different variables here at work, and I know that what we're talking about in half hours, it, it, it's a big situation, and we're just fans at the receiving end of all of this. And yes. I, I get our frustration. I get the whole community's frustration. I mean, a lot of people have just simply hit the pause button on all of this until COVID, like you were saying a while ago, until COVID is past us, or at least until we've returned to some sort of life with a, a normal routine, um, then why think about any of this stuff? Just let everything go on ice, and we'll get back to it later hopefully fingers crossed right mm -hmm. and I suppose it's the people who sort of want want their reality in the mix of this crazy pandemic that are most hit by this because they can't they can't um, rationalize some of these decisions and perhaps we're foolish for even entertaining them but this is big talk right now in the entertainment world and and I think I think that we needed to weigh in just a little bit here as a as a podcast in amongst the community to mm. kind of but I, but at the same time I think we're saying a lot of what other people are saying you know just I don't know why this uh, this press packet kind of was was let out the way it was if they were just going to delay and push back till April. All I can think is like you were saying, you know, one wasn't talking to the other. Maybe, maybe yeah. the maybe the decision to delay the film wasn't as much Broccoli's as it was the distributors. Well, that's one thing too. I've, one thing I've, always, I've noticed, and I want to point this out just over the years, I've noticed a very strong decline in the quality of marketing material for films these days. Like if you notice like uh, like poster art, uh, even trailers on how they're done and what they show, uh, even like those teaser posters, for example, they show in, in, in a lot of uh, film studios mm -hmm. and 
what ha- what have you over the years, that quality has gone down because has, I think yeah. this has to do with uh, big corporations owning these studios, and then they have like their marketing team that they do it that that do it for them, and they want to save money on that because they're a big, big corporation. So why should they spend so much money on marketing when they don't have to? Sure. So they just have like some some tech person they hired to you know just. Uh, do a Photoshop of these actors on the poster and then that's it, right? But see, back in before then, like in the 90s, in the 80s and 70s and before then, I think there was the marketing department was more in control of the studios and they had an ad and they never had like uh, the, the social media that we had back then. So they put all their effort in making these posters, these advertising so strong and, 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 and prominent, you know, like in, in terms of art, in terms of style and, and quality. And now we're noticing, you know, it's gotten a lot more vague and just very simplistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's cheap. It's cheaper now it, than it used to be. Exactly. It's cheap. Because as you say, and there's, the, cheap, yeah. there's cheaper effort into it, you know, uh-huh. um, so there's not that like, yeah, ex- exactly. And I just think this has to do with like so many corporations that are in control. We know this is going to make money. We're not concerned about, you know, teasing people. And if that, anno- that annoys people, I mean, some people will be annoyed. Some people won't. We're looking at the bottom line, mm-hmm. right? That's, yeah. that's the whole thing. So they'll do a marketing campaign and keep the, keep the, the film alive in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they'll do things that the studio that the studio making the film probably wouldn't have done in terms of marketing. And then of course the studio and the people behind the film will be blamed for, you know, the lack of quality and the promotion. Uh, I just don't think, you know, broccoli's in, in like people saying like, I don't think broccoli is really into, she doesn't really care about the character. She's just making money off it. I seriously doubt that. But, uh, how a company advertises its product is shows you an, uh, it speaks to the attitude of the company itself and what it feels about the product and what it's trying to sell to the audience, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. But I, I just I just think the timing of all of this was quite odd. But it's, it is an odd timing. Well, look, Josh, um, I just I just felt as though I wanted to uh, to raise raise a few issues with you regarding this furthest delay. I mean, clearly the situation is not an ideal one for either cinema goer, studio head, uh, producer, or actor, right? I mean, we all want something different than this, but I I can't help but wonder with more delays. And the potential of even more delays with the COVID climate, if things don't improve over the next five or six months, then might we need to engender a world that is a little bit more cooperative when it comes to um, cinemas and studios and profits? Like, I I can't help but wonder if, if the studios want the cinematic releases, then they might have to do something to help the cinemas stay afloat. Even the big ones, even the big cinemas, because they're now being forced to make redundant thousands of staff. And, I, you know, this is kind of how I'm looking at the situation. So I think just talking about the delays, uh, it's been it's been useful. Anyway, it's well, been helpful. Well, Disney yeah. just saved some money. They uh, they laid off like or they're going to lay off like uh, most of the, the theme park workers. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Because they know that like their me- their digital media stuff is probably what's going to sell the most, right? Or they need to put the most yeah. money into it well, if they need yeah. to. Well, no one's flying into Orlando just now, uh, or in or to Anaheim, I guess. But but just to go forward though, like it's so unpredictable about what's going to happen. You know, COVID, everything going on in the world right now. I know this is like a, this is a podcast, and we live in Canada, or I live in Canada, you live in the UK, but you're Canadian. I think you know we got to consider international politics as a whole, the COVID situation. That's those are so many factors to pour into. You know, what will be on people's minds? You know, when they go see this in the theater, if everything turns out mm-hmm. nice and rosy, you know, in the next couple of months, and 
everything starts to calm down again? Will people be happy to go out in the theaters again and enjoy that normalcy? Mm -hmm. I think that's very possible. The way that I view it, it's almost like the studios are like, you know what? This will we'll give it four more months, four more months, uh, and this will be cleared up. I, you know, it seems like each time. Yeah, each time they they buy four more yeah. months of credit. Yeah, I just wonder how much longer they can play that out before it becomes saturated and fans are just not really interested yeah. anymore. Well, I mean, we'll always be interested in Bond as a product. I know that, but like Bond isn't. It's not just the diehard fans that keep the Bond franchise afloat. It's egg. the millions of people who just, like you say, go it's, to the cinema for a good time. It's the casual, exactly. It's the casual fans, right? Yeah. So, and will they hang around through this? You know, will they? Will they be yeah, back I mean, after I, COVID? I remember, like you know, just being on forums and people discussing, you know, like how like their favorite TV shows they follow, like yeah. because of the writer strike or whatever, they were delayed. They, the season would be delayed another year or so, and some people was just like, you know what, I just don't care about the show anymore. I just lost interest. Mm -hmm. And like each person has their own expectations and they have their own threshold of when they'll be just you know not interested anymore. Yeah, you're right. And so yeah, I mean. Thanks for uh, thanks for chatting this through. I know there's a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty out there in the community, but hey, we're all in it together. And there's in the meantime, there's all sorts of good content that you can enjoy. And hey, we can go back. And I saw something on Twitter actually just uh, yesterday about um, how you can work your way back. Uh, starting if you were to watch one one of the Bond films between now and April uh, on a Sunday or a Friday night, you know, excluding the two non-Eon films, it would take you right up to the release of No Time to Die. So why not go back and start Dr. No all over? Yeah, uh, I mean... There's things to do. There's things to do. There's a possibility. And, there's yeah. different ideas that we can <laughs> do. We're I think we're trying, you know, now that we have all the films done, minus No Time to Die, of course... You know, we're coming up with different ideas for each show, and I think we're trying to make it different and exciting yeah, we're, as possible. Yeah, we're trying to have fun, and we're, we're going to be back in a few weeks. We're going to do another soundtrack review. we just got a few little things to discuss on that, I think, before we uh, release more information on it. But it was a lot of fun going through Honor Majesty's Secret Service a few weeks ago, and uh, our next one is going to be cool as well. So uh, keep a lookout for that in a few weeks' time. And if you're interested in crime fiction, why not get yourself over to Lighten the Pipes, where Josh and I have slowly, slowly been reigniting the fires of that podcast that we did so heavily uh, on Sherlock Holmes a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. We're bringing it back with uh, with uh, Raymond Chandler, and we'll be uh, back next week, won't we? Looking at the high window. Yeah, that's right, the high window, yeah, and so. also doing a little bit of. Uh, we're also going to be doing a little discussion about yeah. uh, going going back into the Holmes world a little bit there by checking out uh, mm. Enola Holmes. And we're going to bring Jeff on board, aren't we, for that podcast? And uh, we're going to do a little review of <laughs> of Enola Holmes next weekend. That should be interesting, yeah. And then, of course, I'm looking forward to the high window chat. That will be really good. And uh, for those who have been listening to uh, my podcast, Free the Greeks, I, if, I I did plug it a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have been listening to it, great. I appreciate it. Although I say it's a podcast of ancient Greece and the Peloponnesian War because I also look at the Peloponnesian War in terms of ancient Greece as a whole as well and what it meant to it. So there's a lot of back. The first couple episodes have been a lot of exposition, you could say, trying to you know establish what Athens and Greek Greece in general was all about at the time. Uh, yeah, for the next episode, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. We're dealing with um, the main cause of the Peloponnesian War, which is the ascension of Athens itself on the on the world stage at that time as the premier superpower, uh, following the Persian Wars. So we'll be talking about the Persian Wars. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the ascension of Athens and the golden age of, of Athens, where you have all the philosophy, all the theater, all of the statuary, which then leads to the Peloponnesian War, where 
the the Spartans and their allies felt that they needed to free the Greeks from Athens and hence the title of my show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so lots of uh, lots of good stuff to listen to for sure and to get yourself uh, sunk into. But uh, anyway, it was uh, good good chatting with you, buddy. Keep yourself safe and everybody uh, stay safe and you know let's just keep getting through this together because it's uh, it's it's there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I can't help but feel that way. The glass is half full. The glass is half full, absolutely, and it's uh, uh, and its contents aren't aren't bad either. That's that's true. Its contents aren't. Oh, and uh, the Double um, O Files right now, another great show. The Double O Files are doing a hundred hmm. days of Bond trivia, which is quite cool. Every day there's a there's a new person on doing a, a random a random card from the Trivial Pursuit Bond box. So check that out. They're only four or five minute episodes each each day, but uh, yeah, it's they're, they're good fun good fun and it's a great way for those of you who are just kind of dipping your toes into the community it's a great way to to kind of meet some of the uh, you know the other podcast hosts the other writers the other bloggers that are uh, that are involved in this wonderful world of james bond so yeah get on over to the double o files and uh, check out that show too it's cool yeah i just realized that um that we never did a, a uh, wardrobe quiz for uh, never say never again <laughs> that's right we didn't we didn't and uh, i think I, I think maybe the pages of that wardrobe quiz are best left in matt's Bazier and Pete Booker's hand. I think they'll. I think. I think that Taylor's would love. I think they'll handle that one for us. And uh, I won't. I won't tap into that. What scene was Sean was Bond wearing uh, overalls and? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, riding a bike, looking great. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, look. Um, let's just keep on getting through this, and uh, we'll see you soon. Back here on All Bond right. by Numbers. Yeah. Stay healthy and stay safe. All right. Take it easy, pal. Bye bye.